growing up in the Midwest, like, you know what it's, what it's like when it's cold. But, like, this is just different. It's a different. It's a different kind of cold. I was in New York um, when there was, like, the polar vortex. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I mean, like, I, like, I, like, lived in Michigan for a winter. Like, there was four feet of snow on the ground. And it was still, like, it was just not, it's not the same. Something about, like, the ocean air. It's, like, really evil. <laughs> it's so true. Because it's, like, <laughs> that and it's so dry. When I first got here, my skin was, like, peeling off my face. Oh my it was disgusting. I was, like, who is this? Like, am I hitting puberty in my 20s? Like, what is going on? I will say down here, because of all the hills, when the weather isn't good, it can get really treacherous. Because <laughs> no one can drive already. Like, these people do not know how to drive here. It's actually like really frustrating because like I like I mean like you we grew up in the same place like yeah. you know driving snow on ice mm-hmm. things like that this, that does not exist here and so it's super hilly and the streets are all really narrow mm. and people, it's like anarchy and it's really frustrating. I went to Cincinnati I think probably like three times and I vividly remember being like I could never live here because the roads are so horrible like and I drive a Kia Forte like it's not like I drive any like big behemoth I drive a small car no I have an SUV and I've always driven SUVs and like I remember my um my one roommate she had her friends visiting from Cleveland and they were like the their minds and they (laughs) whipping my SUV around like I was driving them places and they're like how do you get this thing through these streets and I'm like (laughs) I'm really spatially aware. Built different. Built different. (laughs) Built different and better. Exactly. But yeah, so welcome to AA, which I realize is kind of funny saying (laughs) AA, given the topic that we're going to talk about. Not my first AA meeting, but... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But I want to introduce you to the podcast and I'm trying to like figure out, mostly because like I have a gap of my knowledge of who you are. I have my high school. (laughs) Greta and then I have like Greta that I've been keeping up with on social media over the past I don't know four or five years and like what I know about you now is like you graduated from Cincinnati you're living in Cincinnati and you're an artist and you're sober and that's all I've got (laughs) um I mean I think that's like that's pretty accurate like I if I had to just like give someone a spiel be like that I have two cats yeah (laughs) I'm like I'm trying to think of things to add like I love diet coke I don't know (laughs) if I were to write a biography of myself that's everything that I would include and scene pretty much yeah oh also you've had a few viral tiktoks unfortunately yes (laughs) yes made a few cents on those yes that is yes love okay but seriously though how did you decide okay also first of all I started reading that book that you posted on your Instagram story a while ago. Not that I started reading it a while ago. You posted it a while ago. It was Quit Like a Woman. Yeah, by Holly Whitaker. I actually, yeah, I, when you sent me the questions, I like jotted down some things and I wanted to mention that book. She just really, I think especially the first few chapters, she really like just lays it out for you. Like what, I mean, the social implications are of drinking, um, your health implications, societal implications. I think she does a really, really good job of kind of giving you like, not, I mean, it's not a bulleted list in the book, but she just really lays out for you. She's like, these are all of the things you're risking every time you drink. And a lot of people don't even think about it. Yep, exactly. Because I know for me, I recently decided that I wasn't going to be drinking for the foreseeable future, if ever again. Because I was like diagnosed with some mental health items and I was like, okay, I don't need to be drinking because I don't want to be medicated. And if I don't want to be medicated, then I need to be more cognizant of actions that I'm making. And once I decided that that's what I was going to do, it kind of was like really easy for me to make that decision, largely in part because I'm only a social drinker. I would never drink by myself. I've never had a glass of wine by myself. I've never like even had a white claw by myself ever. I have only ever drank with people. So me being by myself, making the decision, I'm not going to drink anymore. Completely easy. The first time I stepped out into a 
social setting where drinks were involved very close to succumbing to peer pressure um and well and it sucks that like at least for me like that was also something I struggled with when I first how long have you not been drinking for October 15th so what is that a little over like 20 days okay yeah well congratulations (laughs) one day at a time so I have I think my sobriety date, my year was like September 27th or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit over a year. That's I, awesome. When, yeah, I thank you. I it was it was a really big milestone and it made me feel really proud of myself. And well, and I was gonna say, like, I think for me, and this isn't the truth necessarily for everyone, but I do think that for a vast majority of people, the choice to get sober does is like tied to you know mental health and you know how we feel about ourselves and just wanting to do better by ourselves um and so for me it was that and when I first decided the first time I got sober was a failure I failed Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did a really really bad job well it's easy to fail so yeah and it's like and the thing is is and I think a lot of people like they they're really really hard on themselves when they fail Um, but it's like, no one's good at anything the first time they do it. It's like, when you ride a horse for the first time, it's fucking scary. And you probably don't know how to do it. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's like, sobriety, it's like, it's hard. And so like, the first time I tried to get sober was April of 2021. And I was sober for about two weeks. It was like, right before I graduated college. And my friend like called me, she was super drunk and she's like, oh my God, like come out to the bar, like with me and my boyfriend, it'll be so much fun. And like, I like had told everyone I wasn't drinking, but I don't know how seriously the people in my life at the time really took that. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and I'm sure you probably, I mean, I don't want to make any assumptions, but it's like some people are just like, oh, like that's a phase. Yes. Uh, Or like my mom is convinced it's a phase. Yeah. It's. It's really cute of her, but <laughs> <laughs> it's cute of her, but that's simply not the case. No, um, it's like it's a, it's been over a year. It's a little bit more than a phase now, but mm-hmm. you know, maybe in like thirty years, it's allowed to be a phase. But I don't, I don't know. I don't see myself going back to drinking. But yeah, so my friend was like, "Oh my god, come up to the bar!" And it was like one thing after another. All of a sudden, I was four tequila shots in. There was mm-hmm. a lemur. I was touching it. <laughs> <laughs> And like, and then I, and it, you know, it's honestly like a really kind of embarrassing story. Um, and it's the whole, whole can of worms, but, um, yeah, the next morning I was like, damn, that was crazy. <laughs> As one does after four tequila two shots and touching a lemur. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just not cut out for it. Mm-hmm. Cut out for sobriety or cut out for yeah, cut out for sobriety. Yeah, okay. So I didn't try again for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I think that was like, uh, it, it, I mean, I'm not going to say that was like the, my, I was like, I'm super proud of that time in my life mm-hmm. where I was like, I just kind of gave up on this thing that I had wanted. Like I had right. so- getting sober months beforehand. I just like kind of accepted that maybe mm-hmm. I wasn't cut out for sobriety. Which is like maybe not the healthiest thing to admit to yourself. Um, and especially at the time. And like something like, and I'll be honest here, like I am bipolar and I didn't know I was bipolar for most of up until this point, most of my life. Same. I had no idea. Um, I just thought I was like, you know, depressed or you know, whatever. And like in hindsight, like it's literally 2020. I'm like, you mean to tell me that I have been experiencing this my entire life and I just found out and that's like, and that's just the big, that's just like the big bad boy in the room. There's also, there's PTSD and OCD, which are all things that like stem from that Mm -hmm. Um, and the way that like I have learned how to cope and the way that my experiences that I've had with that have shaped me. That is just like, if you are mentally ill, it's hard to have a healthy relationship with substances. Yeah, I that's completely just, agree. I, that's, I think it's just the reality of the situation. It's difficult. It's something that you have to work on every single day. 
if like that's the route you're going to take if you're like I want to be a casual drinker it's like that is a choice that you have to make and I mean I I think it's awesome that you were only a social drinker um I <laughs> didn't get so lucky but, yeah it's not the case for everybody um <laughs> Well, I also unfortunately had a genetic predisposition, which I think I should have realized early on um, Mm -hmm. due to just some different extenuating circumstances as far as, you know, family and it's all that good stuff to unpack. But uh, my therapist, (laughs) a lot of money off of me. (laughs) It was so it was like very eye opening. But the only the reason I sobriety had ever even crossed my mind had ever even occurred to me was because I accidentally walking down the street ran into this guy who mm. who followed me on Instagram and he, he was sober. He was the first sober person I ever met or at least the first sober person I'd ever met that like I actually had like some kind of connection with because mm-hmm. like, in college my friends all partied. I partied yep. and that's normal. That's like a normal, yep. well, at least it's perceived as normal. Yes, and especially he- in America. Yeah, in America, partying, going out three times a week, more, less, binge drinking, all are things that are super duper normal. In, in like retrospect, I'm like, God, I wish I could fucking shake my younger self and be like, it is not normal to get off class and then go to the <laughs> go to the um the corner store that doesn't card you and get a four loco. Yeah. And get another one before the night's even over. Like that's insane behavior. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Because that was exactly me as well. And it was it was so jarring to wake up the next morning and be like, what happened last night? Like it was cute and quirky initially. And then for whatever reason, I turned 22 and I had the most anxiety I've ever had in my entire life after drinking every single time without fail oh yeah anxiety is so real and it was so and I was like what's happening like what happened to my cute fun hangovers where I just wanted to get McDonald's and then as soon as I got McDonald's everything went away and I was magically a drink again like what happened to that and then my anxiety like would last longer than my hangover and it was just crippling and I was like I can't I can't keep doing this like what is this I feel terrible it's no it's literally like it's like a monkey that hangs on your back that's exactly like that's like it that's what it feels like it's like this like this little drunk monkey and it's like it's like you were touching the lemur last night was <laughs> fun everyone thought you'd look stupid while you did it <laughs> it's like and not only that but it's like i i was i was just i fucking acted like an insane person i feel like i have, like, like i I'm a serial dater, a hundred percent. Like I always have been, probably always will be. And it was exacerbated during drinking. Like, oh, we're talking, you're interested in me. Let me just call you seven times to make sure and verify that you actually still like me. Cause I'm really concerned at this moment in time that you don't anymore for whatever reason. And I'm going to call you seven times and then I'm going to show up to wherever your snap house location is. And I'm going to be like, Hey, um, so I'm really concerned because you're not answering my phone calls. Like that's the type of stuff that I was doing. And I was like, that's not healthy. No, definitely not. No, I didn't do that. I would do <laughs> really I would do this really cute thing equally as unhinged where I was always like testing the limits of other people's mm. love and adoration for me. And I think it it had I mean it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm just frankly I am sick in the head. Mm-hmm. And it's not cute and it's not quirky and I think I tried to play it off like that for like a really long time where I was like oh, it's funny that like, I'm like super depressed and I don't act right. And it, cause it, but it's not, it's not, it's not the day where I decided I wanted to stop drinking is actually, this is a great segue into that where I was like, actually I'm done. So said guy who was the first person I knew who was like sober that I actually connected with, I was like, absolutely in love with him. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it just never really worked out because I was not, I mean, it doesn't, it wasn't just the fact that like I was drinking, but I was drinking really, really heavily in my senior year. I was working on my thesis. I was completely isolated in my bedroom. All of like 
because I graduated in 2021. So it was like, I had all my classes online. Mm-hmm. I painted every single one of my thesis paintings, which was like six different paintings, absolutely hammered. Wow. I would drink an entire bottle of wine. I'd go across. I lived right across the street from a corner store that basically only sold alcohol. Mm. And I would drink like a six pack of White Claws, whatever, like almost every single day. Like like no one really thought it was an issue. They'd be like, oh, ha ha. I lived with five other people. And not once did any of them think that that, there was something weird or wrong about that. Yeah. They're like, oh, Greta is just being Greta, having fun, being creative. And I'm like, my life is not like a silly arts and crafts comedy. Like, this is a cry for like, help. Please help yeah, me. Like, I am a, I'm a real person with real feelings who's literally endangering myself and mm-hmm. my health and my well-being. And like, it was just like, no one, not really, like hardly anyone in my life saw anything wrong with it. And so it was like, the way I was dating was like, just wrong. And so I was like, always trying to make it work with this guy. And it was never going to work because I was just not, I was fucked up. I relate to that wholeheartedly. And it hasn't been like, I've only, I've only been sober for like a little over 20 days and I'm a hopeless romantic. So anytime I would meet a guy out at the bar, I'd be like, this is the one I'm going to marry this guy. He he takes all my boxes, blah, blah, blah. I literally, if you go and look at my recent dating history, not a single one of the guys I've dated over the past year have anything in common. So how could all of these men be my type? How could all of these men check all my boxes? Makes no sense to me. And then I look back and I'm like, what was like the commonality between all that? I met all of them when I was drunk. And then I had like this idea of some sort of utopian relationship that we were in. And I created some sort of fantasy in my head that was fulfilling in my head. And I liked the idea of being in love with them more than I loved them themselves. But my brain was like, oh, I love them. I want them to love me. And the only way to do that is to be like hot and fun and go out and get drunk and call them seven times. Or test their love for you. Exactly. Like, like, it's like, no, and it's, it, you always, it's, and it's like the immediate gratification of getting that back, especially like when you're intoxicated, it's like, it's like getting like a hundred likes on a post in, in one second. You're like, <gasps> ah! yeah, the absolute serotonin hit to the brain, dude. Yeah, like- no, it's, it's like, it's like, yeah, an electric shock of serotonin. It's just like, wonk. And I was doing these tests for everyone. And then I was like, well, if I can't have him, I'll find someone else. Yep. And then I get into this whole crazy love triangle situation. And it's like, I just like, I just wanted approval. I wanted, I craved, I I craved that just, I don't know. But anyway, basically the night it's actually, it's a really, really embarrassing story that the night and I'm going to, I'm going to just go over basically over guys, ex-girlfriend sits at a table with me and my friends at a bar. And like, we were having like a, we were having like a 1989 pop infused drunk 20 something single girl it's so slay evening and taylor swift's wet dream is what you're describing no, literally this girl sits down and like not none of my friends know who she is because she means nothing to any of them except for me and everyone starts telling her how beautiful she is yeah and something about that moment i just snapped and have like a fucking glow stick and then the rest of the night, it was just like, I was here, I was there, and no one could get a hold of me. It was like calling and texting, and I end up at the guy's house, and I'm fucking a train wreck. And he hasn't seen me like that a lot, because like, I'm a cool girl, I'm- uh, Yeah, girl. I have my shit together. Yeah, I'm fun, and not like that, and I don't get drunk like that. I have two drinks, and that's like, not, not the truth. Like, I'm- <laughs> I'm good. And I'm like, I'm literally like off a fucking six pack of beer and seven white claws. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. All directly into my veins. And he, and this is the only time he's ever really commented on my drinking. He was like, he's like, you never act like this when you're not drunk. And it, that was like the sobering moment. Me standing there. I think I had a fucking corset top on. I was like all laced up, shivering. My mascara, I'm sure. Running. My face. Mm. and he's like in his pajamas I'm keeping him up of this night and I was Mm. like oh my god like I'm the problem yeah (laughs) yep that is exactly 
I didn't have a corset top on and my makeup wasn't running, but I was talking to a guy and he wasn't giving me the attention that I wanted. And so I screamed at him at the bar in front of all of our friends. And I immediately walk out of the bar and he looks at me and he goes, we're not doing that. Like, let's go home. We go home. And then while we're like at his apartment, I'm pretty sure, I don't know, because I was like blacked out kind of. I'm pretty sure I kept telling him I loved him to like overcompensate for yelling at him at the bar. And then the next morning I woke up and I was like, oh my God, a crazy person took over my body and acted on my behalf yesterday evening. And I am so sorry for that. And so I didn't talk to him all day. And then normally we like text after work and, or he'll call me, no text, no call. I was like, okay, I did something bad. So I'm going to call him and apologize. I called. He didn't want the apology. Obviously not. Like, I was a crazy person. What type of person wants to talk to a crazy person? Like, you're not rational. And so it was kind of, I had a lot of moments like that. Um, And I kind of let my impulses while I was drunk get the best of me. And I let my insecurities get so heightened while I was drunk, like I am the most self-confident person that I know when I'm sober. But as soon as I'm drunk, I need immediate validation from people. I need people to tell me how much they love and appreciate me. I need everything from everyone. And it's a mess. And it's like very, it's almost funny, but it's like sobering how much validation I require when I'm drunk. And I was like, I never act this way when I'm sober. And then shortly after that situation with that man's happened, I was diagnosed with bipolar as well. And the same sort of thing happened to me. I was like, how did I live 24 years of my life without knowing this? Call my mom and she's like, oh yeah, like I've actually been diagnosed with bipolar. And I was like, great. Would love to have known that my last 24 years on this earth, but okay, thank you. And when I was reading through, because I knew nothing about bipolar besides for it was like what you said to people on the playground when they would like get really mad at you at recess and so I looked up like some of the symptoms and a lot of it was like impulse decisions like you're making terrible decisions and I was like okay so if I'm making poor decisions sober and this is being heightened when I'm drunk let's just take that out of the equation and that was like exactly when I decided that I was going to become sober I was like I I can't make decisions sober, so I'm going to start making, and I definitely can't make them when I'm drunk, so I'm going to quit drinking, and I did. I actually, I didn't realize that I was bipolar um, until probably about five months after I had quit drinking. Um, I had been in pretty crazy therapy before Mm -hmm. that, though, so I had been in therapy for something like eight months before I quit drinking. And then about four months into that, I was having, I was having a really hard time and it wasn't just because of, you know, I'd quit drinking and I had like, really, I had stepped back from a lot of people in my life. I'd stepped back from like anyone I'd been romantic with. I was like, you know what, like this now is not the time for me to be Mm -hmm. doing this. I'm like, I have some serious soul searching to do because the way I've been acting was not okay. And it's Mm -hmm. like, and, and I think it's important to hold yourself accountable because like, it's like, yeah, I can sit here and be like, yeah, that was crazy. That was, <laughs> I did that. But it's like, at the end of the day, like I did that and like, I mm. damaged real people and I hurt their feelings. Like I was like, I was drunk and I was the villain in someone's story. Yep. 100%. And that sucks. And like, that sucks. Cause it's like, I mean, but that's the, that's just the reality of it. And like, that was something I'm like, and I never want to put people I love and I care about in a situation where they're concerned about my safety, where Mm -hmm. they don't know where I'm at, where I have said things to them that I regret, where I have been mean or unkind or just not like emotionally taxing in a way that is just not productive. Right. You can have like, I mean, like I, in my, in my friendships and my dynamics change, like I'm, I only have a few of the same friends that I had when I quit drinking. And it was because when I quit drinking, I realized that I just don't, I didn't have in common the things that i had had in common with them when we first became friends. I mean, most of the people I was still spending time with, I met when like my first few years of college. 
and like I partied really hard and they did too and so that was like something that we had bonded over so it was like when we talk about our funny memories together the things that we enjoyed it's always memories we hardly actually even remember right oh I think this person did this and then maybe they did this and then you were crying doing this and that night was so fun and that night was so crazy and it was like what am I actually getting you know from these people what are they giving me and like that was that was really hard like I relatively recently decided to split from my first friend at college I decided that you know that relationship wasn't serving me anymore because I just kind of more and more I realized I was like we don't really have anything in common like we love each other I love her a lot, but it's like, this relationship isn't serving me. It's not good for me. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of and, and it's, and I'm not getting anything back from it because it's like, I wouldn't, I'm not going out to the bars with her anymore, which is always when she was the nicest and the most fun and Mm -hmm. got the most out of our time with each other. And it was like, it just wasn't there for me. That was hard. And that was, and that also, and I will say it has made dating really, really hard. Not even like dating wise. I went out with my coworkers last Wednesday and they've all seen me drink before. They've seen me house beers. They've seen me way drunker than I ever needed to be in front of my coworkers. And everyone goes up to the bar and I'm like hanging back because I really don't want to go up and have to deal with that because that's like the first time that I was ever soberly with a group of people going up to a bar. I'm like trying to scan the QR code on the bar to see if they have any non-alcoholic beverages. <laughs> Cause I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna like try and figure out what I'm gonna order so these people like don't they're they don't catch on to me. Like they don't realize that I'm not drinking. And I couldn't find any non-alcoholic drinks on the menu that weren't just like lemonade or Coke or Sprite or whatever. And so I was like, oh, just get water. Like, I'll figure out what I'm going to drink in a minute. The bartender is like, come on, I'll make you a drink like really quick. I'll just make you one. You'll like it. I promise. I was like, no, no, like, that's okay. You don't have to do that. And he makes me a drink and literally just shows up at the bar. I'm like, my stomach dropped. I was like, "I, I can't. I can't drink that. I looked at my boss. I was like, I'm not drinking that. And he's like, oh, no, you don't have to. Like, don't worry about it. And then I go over to the bartender. I was like, hey, look, dude, I'm I'm sober, actually. And he's like, oh, no way. Me too. I was like, then why are you shoving this alcohol onto me? Like, what the hell? And he ended up handing me, it's called Just the Haze. It's a Sam Adams IPA. And it's zero proof beer. It was actually pretty good. It tasted like apple juice. I think beers kind of go off sometimes. But I'm like, I'm, I was like a really big craft beer fan. So like, I yeah. kind of expected to like them <laughs> yeah I mean I was kind of not because I was like what's the appeal of beer if there's no alcohol in it but like that was one of my first encounters of like, going up and trying to figure out okay how do these people like how do I make it seem like I'm still cool and like want to have fun like I've not even approached the dating front of that I've not even like I can't imagine because like people ask you very casually like hey let's go grab drinks people don't ask you to like go and grab a bite to eat like that's not casual enough drinks is casual it's so casual and I don't drink coffee like yeah well I'm I know that for well with the going up to like bars and stuff um just since like that's like on the table right now I have just at first I was like really like weird about it I was like oh I'll just like oh I'm just like not like I'm just not in the mood stuff like that and now I'll just straight up be like I don't drink or I'm sober and for the most part honestly people are really really cool about it sometimes people ask really inappropriate questions and related um are you pregnant and I said yes nine months today (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like nine months or I'll be like yeah I'll be like yeah I've been cooking this I've been cooking this guy up for like a year and two months like yeah like 400 days um but like I've had people like this these kids came into work and I will say kids because I'm not sure they were of legal drinking age but they were drunk I'm I'm, like part-time at a store where I actually get to sell a lot of my own stuff which is really cool that's sick I've I've been there literally since I was like 20 years old and quite frankly I just like love working there (laughs) so I'm like why honestly like if you have a good work environment that you love going to yeah and good like, for you because a lot of people simply do not yeah and like three days a week that's nothing yeah no it's so slay honestly but they were like they're trying I one of the stores is like right next to um a restaurant that is like mostly bar and they were just trying to like bring me over a drink 
And I was like being really nice about it. I was like, oh no, like I'm at work. I'm at work. And they're like, oh, you're so kind of. And finally I was like, I was like, I'm sober. I was like, I don't drink. I'm sober. Cause I was like, maybe this will just like, and they're like, oh, are you an alcoholic? You know, when we talk about like, what is an alcoholic? There's so much nuance to the discussion. I think Holly Whitaker goes over it really, really well in the book. And like, what is, like, what is alcoholism? Like, why do we have this stigma against, you know, being upfront about, you know, what it is. And I was like, you know, that's not like super an appropriate thing to ask people. And there's a lot of nuance to it. And I was like, no, I just don't drink. Cause you know what? I just don't drink. And it's like, it's like, I'm not like in a 12 step program. No. I've been to um, AA meetings actually while I still drank, I'd been to AA meetings, not like because out of my, like my own volition, my mom actually would take me to them. Which is like a really, my mom also drinks. So I don't, mm. it's, it was just like, it's, it's like uncomfortable. And then when people ask you things like that, there's no really easy way to answer it. So it's like, I don't want to like look them in the eye and be like, yes. Yeah. And, and it's also like, talks. at the end of the day, none of their business. No, and I really, like, why do you feel entitled to that information? No, really so is. what if I am like, what are you going to do? Like, what how does that serve you like what do you gain from knowing that I'm an alcoholic or not like literally and it's like well and it's like I've had this experience before so I have self-harm scars and I have had people ask me about them which is like a really insane thing to do and I'm sure some people like genuinely you know it didn't occur to them that that's what they might be Mm -hmm. and like it, it's but it's like it's like the same kind of thing it like puts people on the spot and it's just like honestly like kind of a rude thing to ask and like I just like I'm really like, do you want me to look you in the eye and tell you that like I tried to take my own life it's, it's like not a fun conversation it's like no one wants to talk about that so it's like I, I really feel like people need to like think about the questions that they ask before they ask them and they're like am I actually prepared for a serious answer right now or is this just like an impulse thing yeah, yeah. I completely agree and it's like <laughs> Seriously, don't ask me questions that you don't want the answer to. And also at the same time, first person I met that was sober, he came up to me and we were, I work at a bar, by the way. (laughs) So like I work part-time at a bar. So after my day job, like I wanted to make friends in the area and I was like, oh, like a bunch of people my age work at a bar. I'll go work at a bar. And so we go to this party and everyone is absolutely belligerent, including myself. And I go up to one of the few guys that I knew that was working. And I was like, oh, are you going to grab a drink? And he's like, no, I'm actually sober. And I remember looking at him and being like, so you must, I didn't say anything, but I was like, oh, you, that must've been like, you must have had a traumatic experience. Like you must have fucked up pretty bad. Like you're only in your twenties and you already decided that you're sober. And now like looking back on that, that was so unjust for me to even think. Although I didn't verbally act on what I was thinking, the fact that I was even thinking it is so inappropriate and vile. Like, why did I just assume that? Like, I don't know this man. I don't know why he decided to do it. Could be for health reasons. Could be because he's like susceptible to addiction. Like, could be literally anything, but it's not my goddamn business. I'll tell you that. Okay, so uh, haha, super fun, quirky thing for me to do. I am a broke bitch and I don't have Zoom premium. I only have Zoom basics. So what that means is when I have a guest on my podcast, I record all of my meetings through Zoom and the first 30 minutes are free. And so I schedule two back-to-back 30-minute meetings and I record both of them and I just stitch them together in the editing portion of my podcasting journey here. But anyways, so I had Greta on for the first 30 minutes, obviously recorded it, had her on for the second 30 minutes, talked the whole time, didn't realize that I didn't record it until I went to go merge and stitch the two audios together. And the second audio simply was not there. So I had to have Greta back on, shout out to Greta. And thankfully she did. But In the second portion of this podcast, you'll hear us refer to a lost episode or items that we may have talked about previously that we didn't, that we didn't actually talk about. And so those are both in those episodes that just are now missing. And then additionally, I didn't have my microphone when I was recording our second session. And so that's why the audio sounds different as well. But anyways, Back to the regular scheduled programming. 
notes. I lots of things to say on that. Many, many things. But back to the topic at hand. Yeah. So where we kind of left off was transitioning. Okay, so after you stop drinking, trying to figure out what you do with that time now. So obviously I know that we talked about this and it's gonna be super weird, like deja vu talking about it again, but obviously you have more, you were talking about how you feel like you have more time to do things and life just feels like there's so many more opportunities. So how have you personally harnessed that time? Um, So a lot of people will pick up new hobbies, which isn't really something that I experienced so much. Like I I play guitar now, which is something that I probably wouldn't have had the time to pick up if I'd still been drinking. But like, other than that, I've always been very hobbylicious, which I know that I've said before. Um, And it gives me more time to really focus on those. Like I, in the year that I've gotten sober, I started my own business. I have an LLC, which is really crazy. Awesome. Um, which is, I think, I mean, not to say that I definitely would not have started it if I hadn't quit drinking because like, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't, right. you know, I can't paint with paint with like a broad brush, but, um, I do know that like, I would not be in the same position I am today as, um, if I had quit drinking, um, just because the amount of time I've been able to spend making things I care about and actually connecting with people and working on my ideas. It's like, I don't feel like I'm like a prisoner to Friday, mm-hmm. Saturdays anymore. And like the same way. And it's like, it doesn't feel like it's a prison <laughs> when you're in it. It's like, um, I, it's like what I imagine, like a, an animal that's never been out of a zoo. It's just lived in mm-hmm. captivity its entire life. Like you think you're getting all this enrichment and you think it's so much fun and you're like, woo, it's, and then it's like, once you're out of it, once you suddenly are not constrained by these bounds of like, oh, on Fridays and Saturday nights, I have to go out with my friends and we have to drink. And then on Friday and, or on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I'm going to be super hungover. It's like that. I like, I don't feel the compulsion to have to go out. Like I like, I do go out with my friends still sometimes, but it's like, I don't feel like that's something that I have to do to have a healthy, well-balanced, well-balanced social life. And then the next day, I don't feel like shit in the morning. So like I can wake up at 7am and go to my Pilates class and then I can Mm -hmm. go to a coffee shop and like write or whatever the hell I do. Like I'm, I'm working on a fucking manuscript right now. I definitely wouldn't have time to to do that. If like you were hungover in bed. Yeah. If I was hungover in bed. No. Or that's so funny that you say that not that you're writing a manuscript because that's first of all, awesome and amazing. But I remember so vividly my freshman year of college, I so desperately wanted to be the cool girl that everyone wanted to hang out with and go out with. And if I didn't have plans, I literally barricaded myself in my room and I was too embarrassed to leave my room on a Friday night. Like if I had laundry to do, I waited until I knew everyone on my floor had left to go to the bar to do my laundry because I was embarrassed to stay in. And it is exactly what you described. It's a cage that you're in that you don't even realize that you're in. I was like, oh, this is normal. Like people go out. I'm just embarrassed that I'm not going out. People are going to think I'm late. No, there's things to be doing other than drinking. Like in hindsight, that was like the most insane thing I think I've ever experienced in my entire life. Like there's no way that that is a normal feeling. Like I'm hiding in my room because I was too scared that I didn't have plans to go and get shit faced with my friends. Yeah, there's something wrong there. It's, it's nuts the way that we've been conditioned to think that like Fridays and Saturdays are for this. And if you're not doing this, you're lame. You're a loser. Like, you're no fun. Like, what are you doing this weekend? Like I'm hanging out with my cats. I'm reading a fucking book. I've read 30 books this year. That's amazing. Which is like, I, yeah, I've tried to be a reading girl. I know that's like the trend now I've reading two books right now and I'm just a slow reader in general like I would love to have read 30 books I know that about myself that I will not like even with all this new time that I have I will never read 30 books in one year so that's just extremely impressive to me in general yeah I joined a book club like (laughs) damn (laughs) you saying I don't do new hobbies joins a book club writes a manuscript paints all the time has runs a new business like yeah I know 
no new hobbies yeah. here it doesn't feel it's I think it's because it's I've spent like the whole last year working up to all of these things it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like as big of a deal as I guess it really is yeah I think it's huge like, I did with my free time before I quit drinking I'm like not that not all that much I mean I definitely painted I painted a lot actually right. I probably painted a lot more but mm-hmm. I think that I also didn't have like it's like I and as we've been I think we mentioned in the first part of this um like I used to just shit faced in paint which is like not a really it's not super it's not a very healthy creative process um mm-hmm. it puts you in a rut it really I think it really gets you you get kind of stuck in like this valley of just like of concepts and ideas and it's like there's no you don't you can't see over like right. the range. Um, so it's like, and now it's like when I paint, like I, I mean, I still paint a lot of the same stuff. I'm still exploring a lot of the same concepts. Um, uh, I'm also like working on MFA applications. Yeah. I have time to Just do. another thing to add to the list. <laughs> um, and like, so my thesis and like, um, the work that I did on that is like a really big part of the application process. So I'm still expanding on it. But it's like, I also have so many other things that like, I want to paint or I'm interested in painting or I can read about so I can think about painting it. Yeah. So I don't know. That's truly beyond me. I like painting. I find it very therapeutic. I don't have a creative mind. Like I can replicate art really well. And I'm like pretty good at doing like your standard fraternity, sorority, cooler painting (laughs) art. Like I'm good at that. You're like, I can paint a fucking cooler. I I am good at that. That is something that I am good at. Now me like analyzing feelings, I've been trying so hard. So I have this book that I want to paint in, but I don't even know where to begin with like how to analyze my feelings and put that into a physical form other than words I love writing I've been journaling since I was a little kid and I've journaled way more now that I've like become sober because it kind of has become my companion through my sober journey or my journey of sobriety rather and trying to illustrate my words in an illustration is just like I never realized how hard that is and it is truly I I don't even know. It's, I'm at such a loss for words because it is truly like, I don't want to say amazing because I feel like I've said amazing 20 million times during the last like five minutes, but it is absolutely jaw dropping. Like it is truly a talent and you are very, very talented. And I just want to let you know that because like, that was my whole synthesis of that information. Like it is truly unreal that that is something that you can do. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I, I work very hard at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. And honestly, like starting your own business is huge and having people to support you through that, because I know that you mentioned that your roommates weren't necessarily as cognizant of your drinking issue while you were going through your painting process and dra- like creating all these paintings and stuff. So how did that friendship or dynamic rather kind of change as you've become sober um how did my friend well I a lot of them I'm just not friends with anymore Mm -hmm. I just realized I didn't really have anything in common um and I think that this is like something and people write songs about this feeling and they they people like I could name a million and two pop songs about this feeling where like you're out and you're partying and you're having fun with your friends and but you still feel alone and you still mm-hmm. feel like there's like an emptiness and that's because it's like it's easy to have fun with anyone if you're fucked up that's it's so like, true your inhibitions are gone your normal like your normal judgment skills are gone and not just like characters and like moral and ethics but character as far as like what you like what you relate to what you truly enjoy mm-hmm. um, substance some would yeah, say literally substance and it's like so it's like I realize it's like a lot of a big part of the reason why I felt so alone is because I was spending time with people who like, yeah, I had a ton of fun with them when I was drinking, but like when I, when I was around them other times, I'd feel, I'd feel anxious or depressed because I was like, I don't have things I feel like I can talk to them about. Mm-hmm. Or when I do talk to them about, I feel like they're putting down my interests or my hobbies or whatever. 
And it's like, that's not that that's not a healthy way to build friendships. It's like, you should be filled with you should be building friendships on shared interests and passions and hobbies and things you can do together. Experience like experiences have been like mm-hmm. one of the biggest things I've been able to bond with people is like actually going and like doing things together. Yep. And that has been so substantial. And I've really found, I think like a community of friends who like a lot of my friends do drink. I have, I do have sober friends though too. But it's like, I can go to my friends to places where there's going to be drinking happening, but it's not weird or I don't feel uncomfortable because what's going on, we're listening to fucking stand-up comedy or we're going to see a band play. Yep. Or like, even it's just like the group of people that I'm with, I can be with them and I can have fun with them and I can have a conversation with them and not feel like I need to be drinking to do that. Or right. to not, even just to even to just not have anxiety around them. Yeah. And um, I completely resonate with that. When I first moved to Boston, I met all of my friends by drinking. And so now that I'm not drinking anymore, I'm like struggling to figure out where my friendships are. And another issue that I've kind of realized is that I'm a serial dater. I'm always dating somebody. And I realized why I was doing that was because I was actually forming connections with these men because we weren't drinking all of the time. We would hardly drink. And so I would create such deep connections with all of these men and I would want to just be friends with them. I didn't even want to be in a romantic relationship with them anymore. And I was like, why does this keep happening with only men? I only have this issue with men. I've never once like, gone out with a girl I'm like oh yeah like she was cool like but it was just such a weird like feeling for me because I was like I can so easily relate to men and I'm having a great time making friends with men why am I not having a great time making friends with girls and I never understood the connection being alcohol I always would go and get shit-faced and get drunk with all these girls and it was fun and I loved it and it was like a good time But like you said, all substance goes out the window when you're drunk. You're just talking about nothing. You're talking about what's happening in your environment at that moment. And in that that environment and in that moment, it's super fun and exciting to talk about. But when you're on a date or when you're doing datey things like going to a comedy club with a guy, like that is such a different dynamic. And you're actually talking about things of substance. And so that is truly why I got addicted to dating because I was only having conversations of substance with men absolutely just analyze the fuck out of that for yeah sure. I haven't really had that experience because I'm I have a hard <laughs> time with men I'm not gonna lie <laughs> and I have a terrible I'm very bad at dating but yeah, I'm by no means good at it hence why nothing has stuck um but yeah it's it's just like, it was a definite cycle. And I think now we're tapering off. And now that I've stopped drinking and kind of assessed why I was having successful relationships with primarily men, as opposed to women, um, that really kind of set in with me. I was like, wow, let's take a step back and let's kind of realize why we're doing what we're doing. Do we actually like these men or do we just like that you have substance when you're with these men? Mm-hmm. yeah no definitely well also it's like it's like you have to like that like becomes like a really serious like personal reflection you're like you're like am I just a misogynist or like and I truly yeah I truly thought that's what it was because I was like oh I'm just an engineer like I always have spent dude it was so bad it was so I'm bad <laughs> like no I was like I grew up with all men like my dad Nico David and then I went to school and I spent all my time with people in STEM, which were primarily men. Oh, and I was like, I think I just get along better with guys. Like, I think that's just in my nature. No, it's just because you were getting drunk and you were losing all substance and sense of self when you were with your girlfriends. Like, yeah. you're, you, it's not that you don't get along with girls. And I was constantly questioning. I was calling Nico all the time, super sad and being like, I have no friends here. I can't figure out what's going on. Like, what the hell? And that was it. That was, I mean, I still have 
difficulty with female friendships at the moment because I currently like just realized that this was the issue. But yeah. But I mean, at least, you know, now you have like a jumping off point to work on it. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I think, well, I think that female friendships too, at least for me, have been essentially like the backbone of like what's kept me, not necessarily what's kept me sober, but what's like kept me on track and like that. And but I think, yeah, female friendships have really been like the backbone for me. And I mean, like I've always had a lot of female friendships, but especially since I decided to quit drinking, they've become a lot deeper. And then something I found too, when I was drinking and it was, was like, not only was I forming super surface level connections with people, but I was also like trauma bonding with other people. Yeah. Which is like, I have had, I had a really, really gnarly uh, friend breakup not that long ago with someone who I like, we, all we did together when we first became friends was just like, get really really drunk and fuck around and do got like fucking insane shit like one night we did like a bunch of shots of whiskey we or jameson it was jameson because there oh, was that's a worse. That was at worse. This bar so we could get our names on the wall and then we like walked up and down the street knocking on people's doors and like asking for people that like weren't there we like made up names and like a story and we're like oh we're supposed to be at a party like at this like and this is the address they gave us like that's I think I did something similar to that in middle school (laughs) yeah it was like yeah it was it was yeah it was stupid and dumb and then I realized like after I quit drinking I'm like I actually really don't like spending time with this person Mm -hmm. they're actually kind of like a mean girl but we had so much fun when we were drinking together and we had been through so many similar things that like it like I'm like oh like if it's not a friend why does it seem like it's a friend? You know? Yeah. And that's really one of the tougher parts. I think I haven't noticed a lot of the benefits yet of drinking, but I have noticed a lot of like some of the more negative things that I know that we talked earlier about of people thinking that it's just a phase and like asking when you're going to be done doing it. And is it just sober October, sober November? And I think the more important things to focus on are like what benefits that you get from not drinking. So you obviously find a better sense of self. You obviously have more time doing things. For me, I looked in the mirror on Monday. I was like, damn, who's that skinny legend in the the mirror? Because all of her alcohol bloat is gone. Yeah, I will say the, so, I mean, I've noticed so many things and it's like, it's especially just like feeling good in the morning is like amazing and like my fingers like I like like went down a ring size which I think is weird and like um my feet didn't shrink some people allegedly their feet shrink like in size Um, or in weight well just like in general because it'll go down like a half size or something because alcohol will make your feet swell and then something too that I found is that um like if women who consume it didn't, this isn't every woman but it's a lot of women who consume high amounts of alcohol their body will actually produce more estrogen so that was something I did not know and was not prepared for because about like three to four months after I quit drinking my boobs were gone I had mm. not a breast in sight mm. I like used to kind of I used to be kind of like a big booby bitch I remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember being in high school and I was like, damn. Okay, Greta. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm I wouldn't say I'm flat chested now, but I am definitely like a small like C cup. Mm. Like on a good day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that a little something have, like that happens to me, to be completely honest. Um I think the opposite effect is happening to me, which is extremely unfortunate. Okay. I I stopped drinking and I have gone up a cup size. Interesting. And I also, I don't know if that's anything like related to my period at all, but it is, yeah. Maybe it's just like in proportion, like my waistline is smaller. So my boobs just start like appearing bigger. I don't know. Yeah. Optical illusions. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, my body like changed a lot. It was like, all of a sudden it was like, I didn't necessarily really lose a lot of weight, mm-hmm. but just the way I, well, looked, you've always been very thin though. Yeah. The way I looked was really, really different. And then like, 
um, about how, like, when I, like, when I went to, like, I was really athletic growing up. Um, I taught you how to swim, which I thought was, like, a really cute part of our lore that, yes. that did, didn't make it. I know. That was uh, such a crazy time. I literally could not believe that you were an athlete and then you got in the water and you just started swimming. And I was like, is that Michael? Katie Ledecky? Is that you? Yeah, I, yeah, that a decade of swimming and I have, I, I haven't gotten in a pool and like done a lap probably since I was, since then. Yeah. Like, that was probably like the Which last is time. so funny because the contact photo that I have for you in my phone is the two of us at the YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I used to love swimming. I don't know why I got out of it. Now I'm like really into Pilates. Well, yeah, it is. It is hard. Pilates is also hard. Pilates is so hard. And like the upsetting thing about Pilates is that the majority of people in the class are middle-aged women and they can all move way more efficiently than I can. And I'm like, I didn't think that this is how bodies were supposed to work. Like I thought as you aged, you deteriorated and you all are moving way better than I am without breaking a sweat. I'm here panting. My legs are quivering. I can't stand up straight because you all are just like moving your bodies like so perfectly and you're just so strong. I can't relate. I, whenever like my Pilates instructor is like, oh, beautiful Greta. I'm like, yes. I'm like, you. <laughs> Fuck you, Pam, in the front row. Yeah, because like a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the Pilates classes I go to, I am one of the youngest people there, if not. Yeah. I think it's fun, but like, like my Pilates, I went to like my 7 a.m. Pilates class this morning, which I never would have done if I were still drinking. And like, there was like the guy next to me, and I was like, I was like, I have got to show this man up. He was like, he had to have been like my dad's. <laughs> no absolutely no reason for the competition besides her own like moral gain I know I was like and I was like like, I was like man this is really how I have fun these days (laughs) but it is true like once you do those small little milestones of beating an an older person in Pilates like something as mild as that becomes a huge win and like boosts your ego for the rest of the day Yeah. But like, I like, I was super inactive when I was in college and it's like, I got into like a really bad cycle where I was like, I had like a really bad binge eating disorder and it was always really bad when I was drinking. Mm -hmm. So I get like super drunk and I'd eat a ton of shit and then I'd feel like shit. And then I'd be like, Oh my God, now I can't eat anything for like the next like 24 hours, which is just like clearly like a very terrible situation to be in. And it was like, that was like how I was like, that was my version of fitness Mm. when I'm drinking Greta world and now I'm like oh my god I can I can and will eat whatever I want and then you know what if I'm feeling guilty about it which I don't I don't honestly (laughs) I've never felt guilty once (laughs) I don't feel I don't think people should feel guilty about like what they're consuming and putting in their bodies because it's like that is like I think food is such like and I could go on about this I could write a fucking essay on it but like eating food and it's such a unique experience and there's also, there is so much cultural richness and like sharing a meal with people that you care about and just being able to bond with loved ones over like, I don't know. I love sharing f- food with people. Like that is like one of my favorite things to do is like go out and eat with friends and be like, oh, we're all going to share these, this shit. That is Greta's love language, everyone. <laughs> no, it like, it's just like, it's, it's. It, it, it promotes a closeness and I think like being like denying yourself of such a unique experience of taste being such a unique sensory experience is like that's insane like people are picky eaters I can't with that that's insane that's like just crazy behavior to me I'm like there's so many flavors out there and I want to put them all in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the quote for the entire podcast. It's like that that is <laughs> that that's what sobriety comes down to eating whatever you want but I mean the reality is is like it's like I mean I used to drink all my calories all the time mm-hmm. I loved craft beer mm-hmm. and now it's like I don't have that literal weight in your stomach when you drink a ton of beer and then you feel full as fuck and you haven't actually eaten anything yep or like it's like it's it's so nice I mean I I could go on forever about all of the ways in which sobriety has just like helped me imagine myself as a better person than I am and then like 
actually like begin to make tangible steps towards that. And I mean, my relationship with food has been almost completely fixed. (laughs) I would say my relationship with my body is better than it's ever been. I love fucking exercising, which is something that I didn't think I I love that for you. Ever gonna say so much. I think that kind of covers everything in the terms of like the benefits that you've received from not drinking, like both mental as well as physical. And I really truly am happy for you. And it's so amazing that you've had so much growth, like in the matter of a year. That's amazing. It's truly, truly remarkable how much you were able to accomplish in one year, one year that I just can't like, that can't be overstated. It's cool. And like, I do wish, like, I, like, I feel like I have come on here and just been like, this is great. And this is great. And this is great. And all those things are great. Like, that's, that's the reality. Like, this is the reality I'm living in. Like my life has gotten exponentially better since I quit Mm -hmm. drinking, but it's like, there are also times where it's hard yeah, and it's a struggle. And like, I mean, there's a reason why like in 12 step programs, they say like, take it one day at a time. It's because like some days you have to do that. Like, I mean, this goes back to like, you know, mental health. It's like, I am bipolar. I do have really, really bad depressive episodes where like, I'm not going to lie. Like a few weeks ago, I didn't wash my hair for like kind of way too long. I wouldn't even get in the shower. I would take a bath if mm. I, like, I would not, I was like something about like washing my hair seemed too big and too scary to do that. Like I literally couldn't do it. Um, and like, so like stuff like that's hard. It's not like I quit drinking and then all of a sudden everything was perfect and my life was amazing. It's like, it's, it's about how much work you're willing to put into it and how, you know, how much you really want to imagine a better version of yourself and a better life for yourself. Cause it's like, and like when I quit drinking, I didn't think it was something that I was going to do forever. I was like, I'm just going to get my shit together. Like I'm going to get like my mind right. And then like, you know, I'll be back to normal. And I'm like, I don't want to go back to that normal. That wasn't normal. At the end of the day, what I was doing, the way I was acting, the way I was drinking, I think that, I mean, I didn't, we didn't really get that much into, but really like the larger culture of just drinking in America, it's not normal. The way that we act like it's normal to get drunk whenever you're celebrating anything or whenever you go out to do anything with your friends, like that's not normal. We need to take a step back and like really break up with that relationship and examine in what ways it's really serving us. Like not only in how it makes us physically feel, how it makes us mentally feel, how it impairs our relationship. Almost every fight that I've ever gotten into with a significant other, I was drunk. Like that's not right. Like that's not healthy. It's, um, it's, it's, it's just, it's an inappropriate relationship and it's not serving, it wasn't serving me. And I don't think it serves a lot of people, but I think that a lot of people are afraid to like take that step back and really examine their relationship because it's like, it is the hard thing to do. And you're going to have people question you. And you're also like, you are literally going to be denying your body of something that it is like not necessarily dependent on, but it doesn't know what it feels like to be without it. Mm -hmm. So it feels weird. Yeah, no, I completely, and I, I'll leave it at that. I think that you said, I think you said it best there is that it's a, it's a breakup that needs to occur with our relationship with alcohol. Cause I felt the same way. Why would I go back to a version of myself that I didn't value, I didn't like who I was when I was drunk. I didn't like the actions or the way that I felt after I was drunk. So why would I do something that isn't good for me? I care too much about myself to let that happen. And I don't remember if we talked about it on the last episode or in the first episode, but (laughs) my sense of like, being and my sense of um, self-confidence completely evaporated when I started drinking. And I'm a very confident individual. And so why would I lose that intentionally? I know what I'm going in to lose. And so I think we'll, we'll just, the last parting note will be that it's a breakup that needs to occur. And I am so glad that you came on and I'm so thankful that you were coming back on for a part two, because I truly think that this part of the episode is going to be like the 
the element that ties it all together and like allows people to really resonate with what's being said. Um, and again, I'm so proud of you for making it of over a year in sobriety and how much you've grown and changed as a person it's remarkable really and i'm proud of you and um let's have a selfless plug oh my shop uh yeah so it's uh bunnyteeth.com uh b-u-n-n-y-t three h.com um or you can follow me at that same handle um yeah I don't know. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so happy. I got to, I, this is like one of my favorite things to talk about. So I'm so happy I got to talk about it. <laughs> it's not only talk about it once, talk about it twice. Talk about it so many times. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I won't keep you from your pasta or your next meeting for too much longer. So have a great rest of your night and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on. Yeah, of course. Uh, it was great seeing you again. <laughs> Bye Greta. Bye. Bye.